0: We've been in this series, and this series is called The Game Plan. And the reason that we've been in the series is because we really believe that this year could be um, the best year we've had thus far. But it won't be that way by accident. Like, we did, we'd have to plan for it. We'd have to think through it. We'd have to have a plan if we're to succeed. And so what we've said throughout the series, it's very simple. We said, every week, We wanted to build a tool in your planning bag. And so, in the first week, we said, first thing we need is an actual plan. We actually have to have a plan. We have to be willing to put a plan together. And the week after that, we said, you know, we need a new coach. The shock caller in your life has to get fired. Right? I mean, honestly, right? If your friend caused as much trouble in your life as you have, you would no longer be friends with that person, wouldn't you? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all made decisions. We've We've all made decisions that have harmed us and have hurt us. Things that we thought would bring us pleasure and joy only brought us heartache and pain. It's the universal story. We've all done that. So we said we have to fire the coach. Then we said we have to have a new playbook. The playbook that the world has given us, the playbook that our culture has given us, the playbook that we've been... Handed is not the playbook that we need. And we said that the Bible is God's playbook and that we're to focus on what God's word is. And then we need a new quarterback. Quarterback, we said, was the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would use the playbook and he would call audibles. Things that while you're in the huddle or in the wherever they are in the football game, where the quarterback is yelling out commands in the what was that under center, under center. Pedro's my help here um, yeah so he w- he would call audibles directions and directives that would be helpful helpful for the for the team to succeed well today we're going to talk about actually finishing well we're going to talk about it because if you have a game plan, but you don't stick to it, you're gonna be disappointed, discouraged, and you're not gonna live all that God wants you to be. See, the fact is, is that many of us we quit. We have, we have a good game plan, we're doing well, we're we're going in the right direction, but then adversity strikes. Hardship ensues difficulties come, and we just throw in the towel. I can tell you that in this Christian walk, I promise you pain. I promise you. Nothing I've ever said from this pulpit is more true than what I'm telling you right now. Well, other than Jesus Christ is Lord and you should have him as Lord and Savior, of course. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is really, really true. The pain, you, when you follow Jesus you will follow, and you will go through pain and suffering. I promise that will happen for you. And if that's true, we're going to need a sort of a stick-to-itiveness in order to get through. Some of us, some of us have lived a lifestyle, our whole life. I don't know what your lifestyle is but it's a lifestyle that you've lived. And that lifestyle that you've lived, you come to Christ and you discover this, this might be natural, but it's not godly. This might be something that naturally comes to me, but it's not what God wants for me. Perhaps it's drinking. comes natural to me, but it's not godly. It's not what God has for me. Perhaps it's sexual but it's not what God has for you. Perhaps it's greed or pride, but it's not. it comes natural to you, but it's not what God has for you. Does this make sense? Yeah. And so you come to Christ, and you're going, and you're moving in the right direction, and you sense God's Spirit in your life, but then the pain comes. You lose the friends. Those that were closest to you are no longer with you anymore. The thing that used to be the relief valve in your life, you can't go to anymore because it's not what God would have for you in your life. And then you go, I just, I can't take it anymore. I want to quit. It's too much. I'm telling you, listen to me. In Christ, it is always too soon to quit. That's the big idea today. That while you're in Christ, it's always too soon to quit. I'm reminded of the popular but probably apocryphal story of, um, of a man who... Uh, during the gold rush of the early part of this century, of last century, um, he went to California and dug in a mine. And as he dug in the mine, he found a piece of gold. And he brought it back to his family and told, told his family, okay, now let's invest all of our money. And they took the gold and They used up all the money that they got from the gold. They bought this drill and digging equipment. They hired people and they started to dig. And as they started to dig deeper and deeper, the expenses went higher and higher. But they said, let's stick to it. We got this. We got this. There's gold in here. And so they kept on digging and they found nothing. It turned out That that one piece was just something that was there. It wasn't really a gold mine. So the man did what only he could do. He went and sold the drill and paid the employees and left it. The person he sold the drill to told him, where were you drilling? What was happening? He goes, oh, I was drilling here. It just turned up to nothing. So the man that he sold the drill to for a few hundred dollars went back and got an expert to find out if there was gold in those parts. It turned out that the man had only to drill three more feet before he would hit gold. So the guy who bought the drill for a few hundred dollars made a few million dollars in a time where a few million dollars was really a few million dollars, right? But you know, I see that with Christians all the time. Temptations come and and pressures mount up and it becomes difficult to walk in Christ. Peer pressure comes in, fear arises, and it becomes difficult to walk in Christ. At home, there seems to be no rest because they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus or at least they seem really distant about Jesus and, and you're just trying to pursue but it's becoming difficult to walk in Christ. You know, financially, you go, I don't know if I should continue to tithe and offer because it's becoming difficult to walk in Christ. God knows that every one of us are going to flirt with quitting. God knows that every one of us are going to play with the idea of dropping out of this thing. And so God, I mean, honestly, God put this in many, many places in the Bible, but we're going to stick to a part of Scripture where a person who had finished was telling his story. It's actually kind of emotional. His name is Paul. He's an apostle. What an apostle is, is a messenger of Jesus. And Paul had spent his life persecuting Christians, then came to Christ. I identify with Paul because I hated Christians before I came to Christ. Not feeling too good about them right now, actually, but I'm kidding. I love, you know. I love, it's like a family, right? You have really cool uncles, and then you have, like, the uncles that are not so cool. But um, that's what we have, and that's why we're a family, because it's like that. By the way, if you've ever been rubbed, like, you know, like, right in this church, I promise you, you will find people that work a nerve. (laughs) Might be me. (laughs) I just want you to know, that's true, and we don't deny that. All we're saying is that we're family, so we're stuck with each other. That's all we're saying. And so, but you might find you might find you might find that within your walk in Christ, it becomes difficult. Paul, who's an apostle, who's a sent one, he writes this letter to his protégé. His name is Timothy. Timothy is a pastor and would eventually be a bishop. He He's, Paul is giving Timothy some instruction. But here's the thing. Paul is imprisoned, and he's about to be beheaded. I don't know what your week is like, but I'm telling you, it's not as tough as, if you're listening, well, well, some of you who are listening to me right now are imprisoned, but most likely won't be beheaded, at least this week. Right? <laughs> and Paul is sort of, giving some final words and so that's where he finds it. we find him but in the end Paul all he's trying to say is this it's too soon to quit do you want to give it's too soon to quit are you feeling worn out because you're following Jesus it's too soon to quit do you have no strength it's too soon to quit it's always too soon to quit We see our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If you would stand with me, we honor God in reminding ourselves that God's word has more authority than my opinion. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible reads like this. Would you read with me in a nice, loud voice? One, two, three. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Paul, who's at the end of his life, who sees it's all going to end, says this to Timothy 4, four now, before this, you have to understand, four chapters have gone on, and just the, previously, what he told Timothy is stick to it, keep at it, don't quit. But as for me, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Paul recognizes that his death is soon, Paul recognizes that the end is near. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, with a loved one who's like real near death, or you yourself have been really near to death, but it's amazing how that clarifies your thinking, isn't it? All of a sudden, the tailor messing up your pants is not that big of a deal. All of a sudden, the gossip that happens at work is no, who cares? When... When you're at the end and you know it, it does The small stuff doesn't matter. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He's reaching back to his Old Testament roots, his Jewish roots, and he's saying, and he's reminding them of the drink offering that was poured out in honor to God. And he's saying, I'm like that. Like in a worship service, where something is poured out as a worship offering to God, that's what my life is like. This would change everything for you. Listen to me. What I'm about to tell you right now might change your life. What I'm about to tell you right now is going to ratify the way you think of pain and suffering. If you could see your life as a drink offering being poured out rather than a spoiled child who needs to be given everything that they ask for, your life will be happier. If you live your life as a spoiled child who needs to have every need met and when God doesn't meet him, you fire him because he's not doing what you want him to do, you will live a life of misery and difficulty and loneliness. But, if you live your life like one who's being poured out, then when the Headings beheadings come soon. And when the jail time comes for the cause of Christ, when listen to me, when the children don't get better, when the marriage continues to tank. When the health doesn't get the turnaround. You have an option. You could be the spoiled child who says, God, you're not giving me what I want. I'm not going to be down with you anymore. I'm leaving. That's it. Or you can say, my life is yours. And I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Lord, let this be like a fragrant scent. Let this be like a fragrant scent in your nostrils. Because my life's not my own. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Now, for some of us, some of us don't have a... You see, here's the thing. Some of us don't even have a category in our mind for what I just said. Because to follow God means to have everything you want. Because God, having God is like hitting the cosmic lottery. And it's supposed to answer all of your problems and give you all of your satisfaction and give you all... And so, for me to say... That to live our lives like a drink offering, like Paul is saying now, is like heresy. It's like, oh, what? You don't believe that we're the head and not the tail? Oh, like you don't believe that we're supposed to be prosperous? Oh, what? You don't believe? And I'm telling you, you're crazy if you go through life like that. I've been going, listen, I've been in Christ for a long time and I think I've cried more than I've laughed. But he's good he's been with me every step of the way. And I've seen beautiful, beautiful people get heartbroken in the midst of this thing and stand strong. And I've seen fantastic parents get terrible children. And what I mean... You understand what I mean by that? Like, you know, kids who rebel and act foolishly and break their parents' hearts. I've seen... I've seen people who've been really mindful about their health get cancer. I've seen... Man. I've seen faithful wives get the virus. I've seen... And it's not... Not because God is supposed to give us everything that we want, every single moment, every single... You're not... Listen, God is not our bellboy. We're God's drink offering. And I know that many of you can't handle that. I'm just telling you, you just don't know Jesus. To be in Christ is to acknowledge along with Paul that if we're going to finish, that if we're going to end well, we got to get out of this brat, me first, America, sort of cultural kind of Christianity and into this, Jesus, you are glorious. And I count it an honor to suffer for the name of Christ. It's a drink offering. Paul says, they're pouring me out. And the time for my departure is near. Then he says these three things. It's really powerful. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Fought the good fight. Finished the race. Kept the faith. Let's look at that. He says, I fought the good fight. In Christianity, there will be battles. You know why he says you have to fight the good fight? It's because there are battles. There are battles and there are wars. And And listen to me. We don't win everything. Some of us have worn out our knees because of a particular issue. Right now, let me... Some of you have longings that you'll never see satisfied and haven't yet been satisfied. And you're fighting the good fight. I think of you singles who are looking for a good thing. And God has said no. And there's temptation each day and there's weakness each day. And you, you I'm not saying I'm any good at this. I'm not even saying that I fight well. But even if I lose, some fights are worth fighting in Christ. I'm going to fight the good fight. the reason we can say we fought the good fight is because Jesus fought evil and hell so that we could have relationship with God and heaven in Christ. I, I love the, I, the concept of fighting the good fight because I think in my mind's eye, I think of like a really big guy, right? And then, uh, you know, and that's like whatever your thing is, is the big guy, right? Like it's, you know, any of the things that we mentioned. And, and you go, all right. And then I think of like a massive, like mountain of a person walking over behind us, looking at the big guy, going, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. So it's, it's like when we fight the good fight, we don't fight alone. When we fight the good fight, it's not on our ability and our strength, but when we fight the good fight, what we find is there's one who has already fought for us. He's fought Satan and hell. He's been victorious. He did a judo backflip on Satan, and we are his, and we win. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I faced him. I didn't run, I fought. Listen to me. You ever wonder why you keep on giving into the same thing over and over again? I do. I've got the thing I give in to over and over again. I got one. Do you? What's yours? You tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, it's a little bit difficult, isn't it? I have this, I just keep on fighting. I just go, God, I can't. It breaks my heart. I wish, I wish it wasn't so. Jesus says. I'll give you another round. I won't abandon you. And like a good coach, I'll stay with you, and I'll strengthen you. I'll fight this fight for you. He does that for us. Fight the good fight. Not because you have strength, but because he's fought the ultimate fight for you and been victorious for you. And if he's been victorious, you, he'll also be victorious through you in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I fought the good fight. But then he says, I finished the race. Fought the... Let's do this together. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Because some things are not like a fight Some things are like a steady plod. Does that make sense? Like sometimes it's a battle and it's obvious and everybody's coming at you. And sometimes it's just, just keep going. Just keep going. Finish the race. Because many times in our Christian walk, it's not like this big hawking monster thing that we have to battle. Sometimes it's just getting up in the morning. Love your spouse well. Go to work, provide for your family. Come back home, do the chores that you need to do. Spend time with the kids when you just want to, you know, watch, you know, Jeopardy or whatever you want to watch, right? And and then end the day in thanksgiving prayer to God and lay down and go, tomorrow, (laughs) I'm going to do this again. And it just feels like a long race. Whenever you look at anyone else and it seems like they're moving farther ahead or they're really succeeding and it just feels like it's a steady plot, I'm telling you, nobody who's ever succeeded has ever gotten there overnight. That's a myth. That's a myth. It is running the race. Paul says, I did each day a little bit what I was supposed to do. You know know how you become the most successful person in the world? One small decision at a time. You know how you become a person on death row? One small decision at a time at a time. Running the race means every day just waking up and going, God, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? How would you have me? Lord, teach me how to love my wife well. Lord, teach me how to love my husband well. Lord, teach me what it means to love my children and correct my children at the same time. Lord, teach me on what it's like to suffer well this thing that I'm going through. Lord, teach me each day how to endure temptation and overcome the evil one because I'm just going to run my race. Now, it's very important to understand that Paul ran his race. Some of us have a 5K. Another of us have a 10K. Another of us have a marathon. And there are a few of us have ultra-marathons, right? 50 to 100 miles, right? Every, every one of us should run our race. Uh, I couldn't help but looking at this and thinking of something that happened just recently. I, uh, two weeks before the marathon happened, I had, for, I've, I've run for years. I'm like a runner. Right? I'm in incredible shape. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) It's an amazing shape. But I've been running for years. And and a friend of mine said, Hey, Ed, would you like to run the marathon? Well, it had been a lifelong dream for me. But I never thought it would ever happen. You know why? Because I would never sign up. Because the thought of running 26 miles, 26.2 miles, is crazy to me. Right? So he goes, hey, Ed. He goes, here's the thing, but the marathon is two weeks from now. I was like, I'm down. I'll do it. And so he gave me the bib. I ran as Tony Gupta. Whoever Tony Gupta is. Yeah, there it is. Right. I ran as Tony Gupta. This honestly, this honestly was one of the most, um, I wanted to die. You see that smile? That's a smile. That's a smile of a pastor who knows how to go through pain without letting anybody else know. This is like mile 23. No kidding. I'm like, I'm like, who the bleep thought of this? Cause I am done. That's me smiling. Ah, oh, in this grave, it's a thought. As I was running, it was a funny thing. I saw the back of this guy's T-shirt, and it said, you know. Uh, Why why marathon? Because 26.3 miles would be crazy. (laughs) And so, I'm running, right? And I'm not kidding. 59th Street Bridge, oh my. I'm going up the 59th Street Bridge and crippled people are passing me. (laughs) I wish that was a joke. A person in like, you know, like the Little Walker things, right? And they're like, and I'm like, I'm gonna catch them, I'm gonna catch that sucker. Woo! I'm gonna catch him. You give me a minute. This bridge has a downward thing and I'm gonna catch you. Woo! Oh. It was Run your race. Run the race marked out for you. Listen. Don't run the pastor's race. The pastor's race wasn't your race. It'll be be unbearable because Christ never meant for you to bear that race. Don't run your neighbor's race because that that would be selling yourself too short. And you would not achieve your optimum and your potential. Here, run your race. Run the race marked out for you. Run the race that God has given for you in your lifetime. What does that look like? I don't know. But I tell you, I spent my whole life comparing myself to other pastors and comparing our church to other churches. And pastors are weird. (laughs) Pastors are weird. Pastors, like, as soon as they meet you, they'll say things like, so, how many are you running on Sunday?" which is kind of like a personal question, right? It's like I was like you know they they want to know the numbers. They want to know the numbers. And so there's this thing in my mind that says it's got the church it's got to grow and it's not for the fame of Jesus it's for my own fame and Jesus reminds me of that. <laughs> now, I want you to know, I really do want our church to grow to fame Jesus and for your joy. But there's an ugly part about me that doesn't want it for those reasons. He wants it for my own fame, my own glory. And and Jesus goes, Edwin, you have no idea the burden that I've put on those men. I know you. You're a little bit of a whiner. If I gave you that. You'd be crushed. You'd be smoking crack before the (laughs) month is done. And so I go, all right. I'll take our little church and we'll run with it until he either grows my capacity or until he just, and listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What am I saying? I know it's funny. I know it's funny. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to run your race. My race is my race. What's yours? I don't know. I, I love this because I was at the, um, towards the end, this is the uh, medal that they give you, right? At the end of the marathon. It's kind of cool. And if you ever want, again, if you ever want to know how fast I ran it, just look up Tony Gupta. And you will, you will find out how fast I ran it. But it was awesome. They gave me this, and it was around my neck, and, and it, was, it was a good feeling. It was. I had accomplished the life goal. It was neat. But I'm telling you, this is toilet paper. Toilet paper in comparison to what Paul says next. Now there is in store for me a crown or a medal or a trophy. There is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do you know that the reason that we follow Christ is to get Christ? (laughs) Jesus is his own happy ending. Jesus is his own reward. Jesus is his own bonus. Jesus is the reason. He's our reward. He's our crown. He's our joy. I tell you, I got to the end of this thing, and, you know, I'm running, and, you know, and I'm looking, and, and I, 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 if you ever go on uh, the internet, um, on Facebook, I actually had, I mean, I was almost, like, not in my right mind. I was really, really, really done but I had enough sense to take out my phone and videotape the, the thing. And you could hear the people cheering. And you could hear, listen to me, not pretty, not pretty. But I finished the thing. And in the end of life, you don't want to be three feet away from gold. In the end of life, you don't want to look the finisher, the one who bore, who finished the work of saving you, who bore the sins on the cross for you. You don't want to look at that finisher and say, well, I didn't finish. Listen, I don't know. I'm a little bit older now, and I don't have a whole lot of grand imaginings that I'm going to get these great crowns thrown at my feet for the life that I've lived. I know me. I know how wicked I am. I know how unloving I am. But I am increasing in this determination that I would look the finisher in his face and say, listen, not pretty. But I finished the thing. I finished that which you gave me. Now listen to me. Here's the thing. I know that I won't be able to do that. I know that I will fail at that. I fail at everything I put my mind to with my own strength. So Jesus says, here's an idea. I'll finish for you. I'll finish for you. I'll take on your sin the thing that you get tempted about, your weakness, the thing that you have a proclivity to, that you feel a bent towards, that you feel like you were just born that way, Jesus says, I'll endure that with you. I'll go through it with you. And if the one who went from heaven to earth could take on your sin and mine, and give us a clean slate and relationship with God, then surely He can keep you faithful. He can keep you strengthened. He can keep you. The power is not found in our determination. The power is found in the victory that Jesus had on the cross Stating for us that it is finished. He'll finish. He's finished for you, he'll finish through you. Listen to me. It's always too soon to quit. We're going to have some time in communion. But I want you to know that God will strengthen you to finish well. In marriage, in life, in temptation, in difficulty, God will strengthen you to finish well. So if you're feeling weak, here's what I want you to do. Feeling like you're going to fail? Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to in our time of prayer right now, and then we're going to transition to communion. I want you to go, Jesus, I've been wanting to quit, and the reason that I've been wanting to quit is because I've looked at my life like a spoiled child, not like a drink offering. I've looked at my life like a, a trip to the Holiday Inn and not like a fight. I've looked at my life like a, like a cruise in a luxury convertible not like a race that needs to be run each moment of each day. Just go, that's the truth about me. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to see Jesus be reminded that when, it, when he could have quit, he didn't. And that if he could do that for me, then surely I could go through whatever difficulty for him. He'll strengthen me for it. Father, we come before you because we're quitters. And it's so easy for us to to want to make a left turn to stop three feet before the end. But Lord, I ask that in Jesus' name that you give us all a vision of Jesus. That we would be able to see Jesus glorified and lifted high and famed. That we would see Jesus on the road to Calvary to die for our sins and never quitting. That we would see Jesus being beaten with a whip And not quitting. That we would see Jesus nails driven through hands and feet. And yet never ever quit. That we would see him do that for us. And that we would see him do that in us. So Lord strengthen us and remind us of this truth. Strengthen our trust in you that we might follow you to the end. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.